0: Welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. My name's Mike. I'm here with Wade. I'm here with Peter. And I'm here for the second time in a row with Pastor Bordelin from St. John's in Maguanago out on Wade's back uh, porch. Once again. Once again. Uh, coming to you in the city that is now h- the home of the NBA champion Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks. So last time, last time we were watching, I believe, game five or six. Four. <laughs> four. four. Was right. And uh, last night was game six. And this six, is our so fourth right. episode. We
1: still got to get the first one released. I got to <laughs> remember to have Peter <laughs> show me how to split files.
0: So we're going to get some good content
1: out. This is our second backyard series. We did, I think, all of our church history winging it. We did. In the backyard of we my did. old
0: house. That was good. Um, our topic today is about approaching the text with. Uh, humility. Especially the biblical text here. Under All texts, but yeah, specifically that, yeah. biblical texts. Um, just with the knowledge that we come with our own context, viewpoints, and not to fall into, uh, let's say, a hubris that thinks that we are reading these texts for the first time as if nobody else had looked at them in their context. Now, that so- sounds a little bit... Um, Relativistic, but we believe. Hopefully, at the end of this episode, that you'll see that this really, truly is the historical grammatical approach, right. um, and that we we don't come to the text with uh, without uh, baggage. Um, we absolutely agree that the the text is clear. Um, the problem with it being unclear is not the text's fault, but it's our fault, and yet that can mean a group's fault right there can be a group of people in history that have uniformly missed the point perhaps but the solution is not then that we are individual people with free will who can look at the text without that same um, without that same critique or without that same threat So, so if you've ever heard
1: your pastor throw out the word hermeneutics right we're going to be talking a little bit about that rules of interpretation and then maybe you've heard him say uh, historical grammatical or grammatical historical approach to the scriptures. A little bit about what that means.
2: Uh, if that we would say be that's right before them. you fell asleep, correct? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: if he's doing that in the sermon. We are part of the 1517 Podcast Network, uh, over 20 podcasts now. Uh, but 1517 is much more than just a podcast network. They have blogs, they have devotionals, um, and have been in a torrid pace of publishing they even published me and wade multiple times I get But get a few don't, slip through well, yeah it, but don't they, don't they usually that, have good stuff th- there, there there is some quantity there but we believe <laughs> that there's also a lot of quality and no matter what you're going to get you know you're going to get some good gospel content there and we well, if
2: you were interested in their content where would you find that
0: uh fifteen seventeen <laughs> He always gets this one right. Org. I oh, believe God. it in there. All right. And Wade, in his uh, hands right now, has as a pastor. W- what's the title again? Uh, pastor Craft. And we um, both of us got free copies. Thank you very much, 1517. I looked at the table of contents, and that's it. I got it a few days ago uh, by our friend, John Kless. John and so Wade is going to talk a little bit about uh, the book.
1: Yeah, so Pastor Craft by... Uh, the professor at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, John T. Plus, uh, is a nice collection. I've been skimming through different parts. I've, it's not the kind of book you just go page one to the end with, um, but a collection of sermons, um, theological essays. Uh, it's kind of similar to what um, the Bo Geertz book that Brower and I did, um, Then Fell the Lord's Fire, where uh, some, some sermons and then some congregational essays or theological essays Um, and if you've ever gotten to know John Pless um, just a phenomenally pastoral guy has taught pastoral theology for years Um, I think three of the uh, of us who were at at least the first 1517 conference got to to hang out um, with him Uh, John I don't know if you've met him before but you've read works by him I know and so would highly recommend uh, for pastors but also for lay people Uh, this book, it would be a great uh, present for pastors being ordained because there's a lot relating to um, or there's a lot of ordination sermons, things relating to ordination in the book it's a thick book, you're going to get your money's worth um, into the 500 page range, um, but it's broken up into a lot of uh, shorter parts, so I was excited to get this, I hope to go through it more, I've definitely skimmed it um, or or read a variety of things in it, bouncing back and forth, Uh, so Pastor Craft from 1517 publishing by John plus with a nice introduction by another friend of ours Jacob Corzine, um from Concordia Chicago or whatever they're calling it now is it Chicago or River Forest Chicago Concordia Chicago yeah,
0: yeah and he's uh, uh, John plus is one of those guys that's so Lutheran and so gospel oriented that um, has friends in all sorts of Lutheran circles right many many yeah. Wells pastors know him well it's while. like um,
1: what is it Kevin Bacon the uh, eight degrees six degrees, six degrees. Yeah. yeah you can kind of do that with uh, anywhere there's Lutherans uh, who are interested in, in being really Lutheran or becoming more Lutheran uh, John tends to end up there I mean the, I, the, I'm always wondering what countries and uh, yeah. before COVID <laughs> traveling a lot for um,
2: for ministerial education in different parts of the world well, if you hear any any blasts behind us, we are in Milwaukee, but those are not gunshots; those are fireworks. I don't know. Still they're celebrating? Out, still, still celebrating yeah. Independence? Are they fireworks? For sure, yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> yeah, I can I can see. Saw light,
0: America, so.
1: <laughs> and and the Bucks one I think it's probably oh, so celebrating. more the Bucks.
0: Celebrating the Bucks, We definitely had some fireworks in our neighborhood the moment uh, the Bucks won last <laughs> night. I don't think they were gunshots. So. Hopefully not.
1: I. I don't have the disclaimer. Did you pick it up, Mike?
0: Uh, The disclaimer is this is a podcast, so chill out.
2: And we're back with the free for all, where we wrestle with life's pressing questions and try to answer them once and for all. Today, we are asking a question for uh, the uh, August group we have here, at least whoever is here. If you could live your- It's July, Peter. Oh, it's not, okay, not August. Um, Augustine? That was definitely firework, by the way. uh, I saw the lights that time. Okay. (laughs) If you could live your life again, Knowing what you know now, would you do it? So it has to be—it would be your life, but you would have the knowledge that you have now as an adult or wherever you are in life. Would you, would you do that over again, assuming that things would would uh, be different, or you would at least see things differently? And Mike will, of course, go into all sort of sorts of pedantic ramblings about that so we'll wait for him and we'll start with job if you could live your life so again. same
1: life but you could choose a different job at some point yeah, no, yeah. you're,
2: obviously you'll be making decisions but you're gonna be doing it with uh, knowledge you have now maybe you would make the exact same decisions but I suspect maybe a few different ones like not setting the hillside on fire and no for instance would be one I might not do uh,
3: I would say, <laughs> I'm sorry Mike was there more of a story there no that was all. just go ahead okay <laughs> um, I would say no that's assuming that um, knowledge of something, um, that that's going to uh, actually change some of the decisions you make along the way. Just Uh-oh, that
1: John just has pit, pitted the Greeks against Kierkegaard. <laughs> I
3: Unwitting, like it. Unwittingly. unwittingly.
1: <laughs> You're taking Kierkegaard's side. And could of, course I am.
3: of course I am. Yeah, I was listening to him on the way up here. <laughs> <laughs> you cut me off. Sorry, go ahead. I think that was about it. Just know. Yeah, just know. You were know. saying
1: that knowing you would... Yeah, just make just it better that, that you'd have
3: knowledge that you'd make a better decision. You know?
1: <clears throat> honor oh, honor your father and mother. There it is. Okay. Now it's that easy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's a good point because it we could make a lot of bad decisions
0: because of what what we know. Um, yeah, I think I think probably I know I would buy certain stocks. Right, and, for sure. <laughs> you know, put money down on certain horses and certain football teams.
1: But would you remember the horses? Horse. I, think, I
0: think I could probably, I, think <coughs> I could figure out. Do you really
3: think just knowing things you would go after the horses? That's where you're going to make your fortune. This,
1: this is like a yeah. back. The, li- a back to the Future? Right. Or back to like the Future too. Like, I, I mean, the horses would be a, a great way.
0: Well, I, I, bought, I love one horse track. For instance, I bought one stock for my daughter of Amazon when it was $190 and I remember one thinking, share yep, yep one share I should say one share and I remember thinking I like books <laughs> I buy Amazon books Amazon sells books Amazon sells books I would have put more money on Amazon
1: I think
3: uh, like
0: maybe three shares for the good of the for the good of the church because I would have given most of uh, yeah, it Yeah, how much
3: money would you have went for Amazon versus how much you went to the horse track with
0: <laughs> I, I would run the numbers I would think it
3: through if you knew now, then what you knew now. Yeah. How good
2: is your math right now, though? I mean, would you be able to figure this all out? Is it...
3: I was in advanced mathematics with Mike in high school. I no, I maybe... do
2: not go to advanced mathematics. <laughs> oh,
3: wait.
1: <laughs> am I the uh, am I the only one at this table who's never bought stock?
0: Well, your wife.
1: You bought. I bought, so... I bought some stock, yeah. No, you've asked I've got...
0: about it. Just a little bit. No, no your we've wife never bought... we
1: have, like, mutual funds, but we've never directly well, ourselves bought, bought stocks. you
3: have purchased... You never went sure, to like, sure. Scott Trade or TD Ameritrade nope. or nothing. I
1: been on the horses though.
3: Yeah, it's the same uh, thing. I, I mean, also you,
1: gambled on sports. If that. Counts.
3: If you
0: had to redo it though, would you? I bought. Stark? No, I would go with the horses. <laughs> <laughs> does harness, that change, harness, does at, har- harness racing at uh, Northville Downs?
1: I would do both yeah. thoroughbred and harness. I there. Horse races are definitely more exciting than stocks. I mean, there's like a clear. The Northville Downs.
3: Point. They. Uh, their commercials always came on Tiger Games back in the day. Yeah. I don't uh, know if they're still. Open. Yeah,
1: I grew up going to Hazel Park and Northville Downs, which okay. were both. Then we lived right behind DRC, which was, I told you about. Yep. Poking and throwing rocks. At did you ever bet on right? a
3: horse before you were eighteen?
1: I certainly did. We used to bet ourselves because you could sneak in <clears throat> behind the track, and we had a little, as kids, gambling operation.
0: My mother took me to Santa Anita when I was like ten. Place bets for me.
1: Oh, yeah, I bet that way through yeah. my mom and grandma. When we took, I mean, you got to bet for your kids if you go to the horse right? When we took the kids to Northfield Downs? Or Churchill Downs. <coughs> I mean, I bet for them all. That's, that's what a father the does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Horse racing is not fun if you don't have money on it. Like, yeah. Like sports.
0: <laughs> well, if, <laughs> certain, certain certain teams, that if you root for them, yeah betting probably is the only thing that gets you through the season
1: so you said john says no mike did you say no
0: no i i think i i think i'd do it i wouldn't like go from heaven back
1: right no i think it's like if you like in the (laughs) movies where people like train bodies right well like a groundhog day thing but it's not groundhog day it's like groundhog life (laughs) groundhog life Funny we
3: were it. watching uh, Groundhog Day and uh, one of my kids fell asleep during it and woke up and didn't know the movie. Woke up an hour later like, didn't we already see this part of <laughs> 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 yep. She shall remain nameless. That,
2: that movie, that holds up. I yeah. watched that recently. I use uh, it in ethics sometimes. Yeah. With a cu- we watched it right
3: before uh, the COVID outbreak in March of 20 and my kids blamed that movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened.
2: <laughs> I so do it. I so, do it over. So other than gambling, what would you do? Like why? Why?
1: And you would do this to better your family, like you'd have the same family?
0: Well, I, I think that I would try to get rid of all the shame that I have <laughs> by not doing the stupid things that I did. What, right. if, what but, if you, but Amanda it is, could you would also keep do the this. Same do you think that you would end up with What's her? That? You would keep the same family. Longer yes. Than. Yes?
1: Yeah. Like, yes. just look at me like, yes, like, yes, or yes, like, <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. No
3: blinking. So Absolutely. you think... You think that by knowing what you know now, you would
0: avoid some stupid stuff in the past? No, but I'd like to try.
1: Would you still do ministry?
0: Yeah, because I I don't know how to do anything. Would else. you want your same colleagues? <laughs> um, no, I yes. Um, <laughs> I think he said He's no first. Yeah. No, because I thought about that before. Though that going through, I wouldn't about change. Different colleagues? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change a thing. You know, like despite all the. I wouldn't change a thing except that maybe I wouldn't be such an idiot for for the sake mostly for the sake of my wife and my children that sounds biased it is (laughs) Wade
1: Um, I think I would not do it Um, I would agree with John's observation that that knowledge does not um, necessarily just simply triumph over the will Um, I think I would be a pretty terrible person, um, with the knowledge I had, uh, I would probably delight in seeing bad things happen to some people, knowing that they were coming, like, (laughs) clear my schedule, (coughs) you know, um, the, uh, I think I probably would be richer, um, but would definitely probably squander that, um,
3: would you pursue ministry?
1: No. Um, not because I'm not happy I pursued it, but I think uh I uh Oh. I think I'd wanna try something else if you're getting another go. I I would I well I maybe I would pursue it after I had a gained a bunch of wealth. Um, but I do think I could see myself if you have your younger years again, um, probably using my younger years to not spend as much time talking about like uterine infections with you know members and you know um, you know some of that stuff if I could like go back and like just looking preach. at
0: open wounds on their feet
1: <laughs> yeah um, but that's because I think I would make bad choices not because I necessarily regret um, ministry I do think coming at it at a different stage in life or in a different way I probably would be better at it I think, um, you know, uh, maybe not learn the hard way as much going through it, but um, I, I would like. I mean, I wouldn't want to trade my family, um, especially you know five healthy kids. You you never know the odds of that happening. We're blessed with that, uh, but I, I think I would I would be a worse person. With more knowledge, and I think I've probably been a better person for having to learn some stuff the hard way. I think it, you know, no, just knowing it, it's like, you know, I could know. Wait, if you do this, that's going to happen. It happened in your last life, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I think I've gained knowledge through stupidity.
3: Are you almost saying that the Lord works <clears throat> good through mm-hmm. cross and <laughs> suffering?
1: Right, and I think I would totally spend all my time trying to avoid the cross with the knowledge that I had. So, yeah, I think uh, there would be things that would be tempting. I I mean, I do think it would be fun to, I don't know, I probably wouldn't even do that much to p- different professionally. i probably still want to end up teaching something or doing something, but. Um,
3: would you have yeah. gone to Game 5 of the World Series in 1984 as a 7-year-old?
1: Uh, I would have gone to every game I could go to, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and that's the thing is I... I think those things have worked, you know, often for, I mean, there's some things knowing would be like, you know, like really don't stop going to the gym and being in shape because it gets really hard (laughs) to be that after you stop or to, you know, but I think I would use the knowledge in a terrible ways.
2: Well, I'm going to say no as well, because it's clearly the right answer, Mike. Um, But for slightly different reasons, although you make it sound all, all pious now, I just think you. I mean, I wouldn't want to miss out on my youth, and I feel like the stupidity of youth is part of what uh, what shapes and cultivates your adult life and your perspective. And I think if I hadn't done a lot of the stupid things, now I, I'm very grateful that I didn't, you know, lose a limb or maim anyone else seriously. And you know, there were definitely times when both of those were in question, but uh, um, so being able to avoid some of those stupid decisions would be, you know, seems like it would be, you know, wonderful (coughs) and grand, but if I knew all of this, I would probably be a lot less uh, adventurous, and uh, uh, it would change very much who I am now in my 40s, you know, looking back. And uh, all those decisions that uh, are ill-informed, you know, as Pastor Bordelan made it so theological before, like, the cross something works you know good through this through this cross that we bear and it, it does but also just in a more general sense I mean kids kids are kids for a reason right um working through working through that stuff and making it your own I mean how many times all of us have kids here how many times have you told your kids something till you're blue in the face and they don't listen to you and then they come back and say oh man did you know if I'd only known this I'm like man I told you that a hundred times like but right. if they, if if it was just as as easy as just giving them that knowledge, they would never actually know it then, right? Although,
1: if you think about it, we're kind of all arguing for Adam and Eve, in Genesis three, because we're saying we would want the gnosis, experiential knowledge, and that's precisely what God did not want them to know was the knowledge of good and evil. Although the difference is, we were born into a fallen world, right? But
2: yeah, well, I mean, but the, I mean, the whole fall thing, too, is a I think interesting that, question. Right. We've talked about this before, you know, long, long time ago, I'm sure at least. But it was I mean, the whole idea is like there's the the blessedness of the fall. Right. I right. And like uh, it's uh, it makes things terrible. But yet there's this uh, um, beauty that shines through that that otherwise doesn't have an outlet, doesn't have an expression. And I think that's actually, that's a good way to kind of think about it. Like, as a child, as a, as your, especially as a young adult, that's when I think about some of the stupid things I did. If I had known all of this, I wouldn't have been able to understand in an experiential way, like, the importance of, you know, X, Y, or Z.
1: No, and I do think that's fair, and I think, uh, you know, part of the, I, I joke about the experience, but I mean, the theology of the cross is life after the fall, and God does precisely teach through experience you know, the cross often is being brought through evil, you know, delivered from evil. And,
2: yeah, it's, it's no, I downright Miltonian here. If right? we were going
1: to wager just out of curiosity, what percentage of the population do you think would say yes?
2: Well, I think that the unreflective would say yes right away. Um, maybe about 25 percent. Are you saying Mike? I <laughs> <laughs> just got it. Sorry. Slow. No, I think that that's the first reaction It's like, oh, man, that would be nice. But I think if you stop and think about it for a moment, um, you know, I mean, get beyond your going to the horse track and well, give the stocks. Well, just know, I have
0: so much shame, <laughs> <laughs> you know.
2: We I should like talk about that. Re, I'm right. not a counselor or a pastor, but we can talk, Mike. Yeah. You know what a good
1: episode would be on shame versus guilt yeah. and what shame is and how what? it impacts stuff?
2: Yeah, the importance of shame. Yeah. Guilt. I'm glad what does I have a society and a shameless hey, society look do like? do you
1: guys know what I did today, by the way, that... uh. I haven't done it about since probably, uh, probably about twelve years.
2: Rode a bike that that doesn't drive itself. Is it? it fell off the porch.
1: <laughs> Got a haircut. <laughs> Whoa! I went to the old man barber
2: right around on the corner here,
1: in Oklahoma, and uh, yeah, my mom said I should let the top grow out a little bit, so I'm doing it for the summer. You can definitely see my bald spots, but uh, I liked it. Um, Trisha's face when I got home implied she did not like it. Um, the kids didn't really care, but so I, it's right. too dark, but it looks See, good I it? I like it. yeah,
2: and he, uh, you're less bald than I thought. Actually,
1: he was definitely old school barber. He had a uh, Fox news on <laughs> and he was had a hard time hearing. <laughs> so he, he was explaining to me very loudly. Uh, he was arguing against, uh, three lunches at schools. Hmm. Apparently someone's proposing that.
0: California. Okay. For everybody. And,
1: uh but nice guy took right quick good care of me and it was a my first legit barber well, I'd say first legit barbershop visit since probably even high school cuz I cut my own hair a lot of times otherwise. So Do
0: you have like a like a straight razor? i remember going you to You can one, like, get
1: that. Yeah. I could have got the towel, whole package the warm- like long like beard and then yeah, but um I was just like I know I'm uh, doing an appointment so you know whatever you think works and so he did that and I uh, I would say that would be a good free-for-all like th- things from bygone eras that we'd be better off if we had more of and I would say uh, old school barbershops would be would be good ones where you kind of sit and you talk to people as you're waiting I remember going as a kid
0: mm-hmm. sports page open
1: <clears throat> yeah sports page would be a good thing to have back even I think so that was a, always kind of a good experience reading through the whole thing. So that would be a good free-for-all as well. You know what I would do if I lived this life over again, knowing this?
0: Go to more barbershops?
1: I was, I was going to say, I would uh, try to bolster the barbershop industry.
2: Mm. You could bet on some stocks and horses and but then put it the all thing into the barbershop. We, we imagine that
1: the knowledge that we would truly remember is the really important stuff. When I think about what I actually most know and remember in life, it's mostly useless. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we maybe have, like, those long nights where you're looking back and you, like, draw these big conclusions about life. But most of my knowledge would have been, like, you know, I don't know, like, how many people a hippo eats in a year. (laughs) Like, I probably, like, right before the switch happens, I would have been, like, reading Wikipedia. And I would totally go back, like, big on hippo stuff and not remember, like, you know, um, lying is bad or something like that. But...
2: No. Oh. I think it's all the, all the small things we forget Are the things that, are, that make us who we are Can't change those anyway So maybe, maybe, maybe we're just predetermined To be who we are It's like, like
1: the Simpsons episode where Homer <laughs> learns something new You ever watch that one And then every time he learns something new He forgot something he knew And so he <laughs> forgot what the doorbell meant Because <clears throat> he had learned something new Alright I'm going to take this another direction We'll keep going
0: So. Alright <laughs> we'll be back for our main topic Approaching the biblical text with some humility, uh charity uh for other people, um, open mind when it comes to um the history of the church, but also being critical, right? Critical of other people's opinions, but also critical of our own opinions. We all come and bring baggage uh to, to the text. And probably that's maybe not the best way to put it, like we bring baggage. But rather that we tend to take the text and apply it to ourselves, um, and we missed we missed the context um, we're, that we're it was originally
1: through a lens that's right. defined by our own personal experiences. Right.
0: And again, just as a warning, this may sound like a slippery slope to relativism, but um, it's actually I think the exact opposite. Uh, if you're only by yourself with your Bible um, and you think you have it all right, well. You're already there. You haven't, yeah. You you need to maybe take a look at Romans six, seven, and eight.
1: And you know, Mike, you mentioned in the conversation we had before, <clears throat> and I think it maybe came up, in the, came up in the last episode a little bit. But you know, the, I mean, the the papist argument or Roman argument against um, Protestantism was precisely that you'd go from one to, one pope to many, and that's kind of what we're talking about too. You know, everyone that's that's me and my Bible. Um,
0: it's not an unfair criticism it's not it's but it was unfair to luther but it was not an unfair criticism to people who actually and i'll say this again assume that they have a free will
1: yeah so maybe if we i'll throw it out as a question for you guys um we could talk about this in two ways things that protect you from the text right um an interpretive framework you bring because of your time place culture ideology etc that helps you avoid the hard parts of the text that maybe especially need to address you um, but also what protects the text from you right and uh so maybe if anything comes to mind for anybody what are some things um that might protect the text from us or us from the text meaning um do we truly reject the notion um, and i don't want to like oversimplify derrida and peter you can correct me or mike can you know that that basically the reader is supreme right that the the text doesn't have any inherent
0: there's no um, author left
1: objectivity right it's just you and the text um if we want to avoid that which i think interestingly many of the christians who do just that will complain about developments from postmodernity um what are some things to help us protect from that? What are the things that, some things historically that the church has seen, or Luther, or just that you see as being helpful?
0: C- can I maybe interject something? You can. Would it be helpful to give a few examples before we, before we? Sure. ask? I think your question's great.
2: I you want to me to give examples? Or? Or? Why
0: don't you go ahead and give me an example?
2: Sure. Let me, let me give a non-biblical example first. Um. So in in college, the first philosophy course I took was an ethics course, and I read Plato for the first time in college, which is pretty embarrassing, but it's the way it is. And I read um, uh, Plato's, uh, eth- one of his ethical treaties, and uh, I thought, this is amazing. It, I mean, it completely changed the way I, I looked at the world and human interaction, all this stuff. And um, I carried that with me for a number of years, and I came back probably two years later in another course and read that exact same text again, and it was an entirely different text, and it transformed me again, right? And I'm saying this, like, from a, like, this is eventually a, a few years after that that I'm in graduate school studying philosophy. And I've, and I've read that text, you know, a number of times, probably dozens of times now. And uh, what I realized from that text, and this is from, you know, a, a platonic dialogue, is that the te- a, a good text is going to bring more to the table than I'm going to be able to appreciate at any one moment. Going back to our free-for-all, like you're a different person as you kind of, like these experiences, what, you, what you're what you developing, what you're becoming is, yeah. it's very platonic, where you're becoming something different than what you are right now, right? So you, there's this transition happening and, um, so when you're reading the, when you're reading the text, there are some texts that you read it and you're kind of like, okay, I kind of got it. And you go back and read it, and you're like, eh, maybe it even seems thinner than it was at first. Um, I definitely have had that experience. But that they're just kind of flat. But good texts they speak on multiple levels. Yeah. And so you know, someone like Plato for for me and other people have different authors that this happens to. Dostoevsky's another one we've talked about mm-hmm. in the past does this. Um, but you come back and you read it, and you're like, oh man, that's just it just takes on a different shade. So Wade, you use the, the um, analogy of the lenses that you have in front of you, right? So you, as you um, have different experiences, your your life changes, how you see the world changes, and those those lenses through which you're looking at the world or the text is going to bring out different contours and contrasts within that, right? So that's an example in you know non-biblical um, s- setting where if... If I come with a, a hubris that says, "All right, I've read you know Plato's *Euthyphro* and the, what? I mean, I'm not going to go read that again. What would I do that for? Or I just start pontificating about the you know r- what what the meaning of this text is or what it has right. to teach without but, uh, ever going back to that it? That reminds me of a question we should get to later. Does piety come from the gods, or? <laughs> <laughs> Piety exists, ab- uh, exists above the gods, or the gods are. Right. The concept of piety Sorry, could be ahead. the ideal. <laughs> uh, here's a couple, maybe.
1: Can I throw just one thing? Yep. So to piggyback on that same example, I think maybe something for some of our listeners, a good example might be if you can think of something that you maybe had to read in high school, right? Uh, especially no- a novel or something, that you later were like, you know what? I should give that another chance. And you really couldn't stand it in high school. And you read it um, later in life, and you find you really love that book. Um, the book didn't change, right? Um, where you were as a reader, some of that you're more mature, some of that the experiences maybe, you or the, the context in, in, the, in the age in which you're living. It can be like that for a pastor. The example I would use is if you compare a sermon on a text that you maybe preached four times. And assuming you didn't just pull something out of the filing cabinet, Um, You could have four very textual sermons, um, but that took on very different aspects of the text, which is a testimony, as Peter was saying, to a good text. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Mike. Just
3: something you just said there, you know, I have a question, you know, so now having kids of high school age who are reading some of the things that we read in high school and they go, you know, and. Where is it on me to argue them, like, no, no, this is really good, or is it part of their growth too, to experience it that's as a, a as a sixteen year old you know, and all right, okay, but you read this again when you're forty, and let me know
2: yeah, well this i mean yeah we i mean we could we could jump over to Wade's parenting podcast, but I don't think this is exactly the time, but that's I mean isn't that. As parents, that is kind of one of the things you realize. Like, man, they gotta, they gotta go through this too. They gotta make these stupid, you know, stupid assumptions, sure. and uh, work through that. You just kind of hope that they keep growing, right? And and, and, I mean, sorry, real quick. Actually, the fear with for a parent, at least for me, is that they stop growing. Right. That the text in this case, you know, as kind of a broader analogy, that it remains the same for them. If it if it remains the same, that's a problem. That that's that's not a problem with the text. It's a problem with them that they should continue to to mine it and get more out of it. And when we're talking about scripture, I mean, that all the more so. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we believe that this is guided by um, by. Divine intellect, right? That there's that there's a message here for all times, for all people, for all places. Well, then, it, it, overcoming the inadequacies of the language within which it's written, overcoming the inadequacies inadequacies of the author who is writing it, um, there's a message that's coming through there. And if we can't see that there's going to be something more than what we're going to be able to grasp with one reading or a hundred readings, we I mean we're we're kind of uh, selling the divine. Um, author and it's kind of
1: like in this terrible illustration. If you are in a happy mood um, and you have some drinks, you're going to usually have a happy time, right? Like you're going to, because you're in a happy mood. If you're in a dark place and you're self-medicating, you're drinking, right, to try to take away that, um, you're probably not going to have a good time. It's a depressant. It's only going to make things worse. Um, Dimebag Dan has told me that the same is, is true um, with some other things, right? If you're happy, you're probably going to happy, a happy, happy go. Um, how we come into a text at a different point in life, and I, I think you're onto something there, John. There's times, like, I just, even with my kids, I find myself saying more, and I used to hate it when I was a kid for someone to say it to me, but, like, but you'll see someday, right? Like, I'm trying to educate them on the, like, you should come back to this. Like this is going to mean more, but that you can almost kind of say, "Too, like you're just not at the place right now for it to to mean what you want it to mean." I don't know if that makes makes sense. Um, that sometimes what opens um, our the scriptures to us um, is where we're at, law gospel wise in life and. Um, I can read, and if I'm at a rather stable part in life, I can read the penitential psalms and not, um, I don't get as much out of them. But if I'm reading them in a point where, as Mike was talking about shame earlier, I, right, I'm carrying that, those words right, strike me in a completely um, different way. And so I think that is a challenge with the text, and even with kids and with Sunday school, sometimes it's simply that they haven't seen enough of the world and of themselves um to reap the full benefits that being said the text is not meaningless to them right but that to get them coming back as they they are to me it's like going to an art museum and the first time i see a painting i'm I'm not good at that it's gonna mean almost nothing but if i look into it i think about it learn about the artist right it takes them more
3: well and you got me thinking pastorally about this but i wonder is that a huge challenge for you guys you know now that you've been at the college for a number of years wait are you going on your is it your eighth Eighth year year. yeah mike was it five years four years there maybe the fifth is it something as you are as you guys are engaging with the same text repeatedly you know but that's a that's a fresh crop of freshmen you know every year is that is that a challenge or is it actually Kind of exciting for you. I mean, uh-huh. I'm, I'm not sure I'm phrasing it right. No, I, no, I would say
1: that, oh, go ahead, Mike. Go.
0: No, I think there's 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 something to that. Like, can I can I maybe give a few um, real simple examples? Kind of. Yep. Yeah, I would just I minute. would answer in
1: one second. I would say um, it's frustrating in some classes and it's fun in others. But then I, I'll go to Mike.
0: We try very hard to um, not be. This is going to sound terrible, but a middle class white American. Right, and what I mean by that is not. I think he's failing. Didn't he say <laughs> yeah. a hot tub?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: what is that grill? He has a wood pellet grill right. or something. Right. Yeah, well,
2: I, I'm not going to. It's a s- smoker, Wade. <laughs> don't.
0: First of all, first of all, do not refer to me as his. I don't appreciate that pronoun. What, uh, I identify with whatever I identify with, and it's not your business. In the moment. <clears throat> I, yeah, guy who shops at have a hard time
1: but, listening I, to I I, I do <laughs> What do you call that thing He built above his porch the, uh, That's a pergola Pergola Pergola,
2: pergola. pergola. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's fighting against By his, goodness, by his right? pool By his yeah. pool.
0: I did not My personal life I just mean to sound like <laughs> When I'm talking objectively To the students Have you
1: ever gone over there And man Amanda Offer you wine right away Uh huh And they have a story for like it Look like where they got it and Yeah and They uh, make yeah. you
0: read the label Yeah Yeah I also have my liquor And decanters <laughs>
2: This is true <laughs> they're, they're kind of homemade decanters, if we're honest they about are, it, though. They're uh, just bottles that I took. <laughs> took the labels off took of? Took the labels off. It's gross. How <laughs>
3: many exes? <laughs> class white American is really uh, keeping Mike up at night.
0: You guys <laughs> shut my Netflix off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. The other
1: day I was talking to him, and uh, he was cleaning the pool. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the
3: pool boy? What? <laughs> I think you had a point. All right, well, thanks uh, for listening, uh, everybody. We'll be back the, next
2: week with another episode. I faced the same time.
1: challenge, as you pointed out last time. I have a hot tub that we've had for eight years, and we don't know if it works or doesn't work, and I've never cleaned it. Because
3: it's covered by your middle-class kayaks. On top
1: of it are two kayaks, which <laughs> Mike mean. pulled a weed out of last time he was here that was, that was growing up. Right. 18 inches yeah, tall it at least, it, yeah.
3: it, uh, But those kayaks aren't, like, middle class, like, enjoying life. I mean, like, you use those, like, to get we, places. We That's <laughs> transportation. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: Like, when the car's Done. not working. Like, like, we're like going to float down the river. river.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, I can't, I can't point too many <laughs> fingers.
3: Me, can
0: I need my kayak. I a lot of rain. Let me, can I, can I talk? Oh, hey, Mike. Yeah, did host. we interrupt me, you? I did Let realize. me rain it in just a little bit. <laughs> All right. So, some examples of looking at the text and then being able having to check yourself so some people may look at the sermon on the mount and they'll pull a passage of the sermon on the mount that fits their particular political agenda or what they want to say on facebook that day and pull it out of context right Um, you could look at the, the psalms that you were talking about before and it's good that you applied them to yourself but you also have to say who is the original author and, and it's striking how, how awful those words are to not just our modern and oversensitive ears, but even to the ears of those who lived in a very violent place like the ancient near East. But why, why did they say those things? Because they were being oppressed. Right. So, um, it's not a bad thing to apply the text to yourself, but it can be you can the the text can be lost inside of yourself right, right? It, it's a clumsy way of saying it so we talked about this with with artwork quite a bit uh off off air where um the the italian jesus speaks to the italian right um but if you go to the south side of chicago jesus is going to be tic- depicted in a different yeah. way
1: you obviously at 21 jump street with a um
0: The movie or the Um, show who's
1: the guy like was in super bad and other stuff that was fat and then he got skinny uh, jonah hill and um you know they they're cops and they go back like they infiltrate the school and then in either the first one or the second one which i've seen both multiple times um ice cube like their police units meeting in a church and it must be like a korean church because it has a korean jesus Mm -hmm. An ice cube reference is Korean Jesus. And I usually bring this up in class, right? Of, right. I have no problem with Jesus being portrayed as very, very a Korean early, Jesus. Very
0: early on, there were depictions of Jesus without a beard and short hair in uh, uh, within the Roman Tuxedo Empire. Tuxedo t shirt, right? I believe he was In West Allis. In West Alice. The tracksuit. Right. Yeah, the Stallus Jesus. in the Reformation, we talked Stalus about Stux this Stux. how. Uh, you'll have many saints that are wearing the garb of that day, right? right? That's not necessarily bad, but you could also see where that can go awry. I mean,
1: you look at a Lucas Chronic painting, and he does sure. that again and again.
0: So it's not necessarily—this is, this is symbolic of what we're talking about with the text, that you need to often check yourself and say— Before you wreck yourself. Before you wreck yourself. And <laughs> so that you do not put something— you do not your personal, your personal viewpoints, your personal problems, your personal whatever don't swallow the text whole. Right.
2: Is that a good way to say it? No, right. and at the same time, you also need to know that that's in some ways that's always happening. I think. Right. I mean, this and this right. is from this is again coming from my training in philosophy and looking at this as there's like, in in a sense, I'm always doing damage to the text. But I think this works in the, with scripture as well to say because it's a it's fundamentally a humility that you come with and say, I, I'm going to assume that the author has grander intentions than I'm able to com- comprehend. And I think with scripture, that becomes an easy, right. you know, and, easy and case to and make. And they had a
0: purpose <clears throat> and a context that may or may not match up with your context and your purpose, spe-
2: speaking specifically mm-hmm. as a preacher that you have in in this particular i think that's when the when you when you're open to that is when the especially for preachers i would imagine that that the scripture really preaches to you if you let it in that way
3: and and i have a blind spot as i come at this at this text and if i knew what that was or what my blind spots were i'm really good at seeing what yours are i think Mm -hmm. you know or in history how could they or how could she or how could he but but uh Dose of humility when I come at it to, to say I don't have all the answers. I, I don't even. I don't. I'm so dull here. I don't even know what I'm missing. And, and
1: mm-hmm. I mean, this came up with Luther with the Reformation too. You know, the Luther worked hard to show that nothing he taught was new; that it wasn't mm-hmm. novelty. Like Luther thought he had an obligation um, to prove what he was teaching was in line with the biblical text and also right consistent with the. Purest articulations of that throughout church history, um, and the the Lutheran fathers after Luther do that too. Gerhard with his <clears throat> patristics, um, Flacius does it with the Catalogue of Testimonies, and so. I forget.
3: Are you for Flacius or not? Yeah, I that, that too.
1: Uh, yeah, okay. the, uh, I The I had a conversation about that the, just the other day, um, but uh, I think um, right the Lutheran Church has never said, or never been comfortable. At least it ought not be. Um, Went you know, way
0: out of their way early on to say We're this is not, not sectarian right.
1: This is not just me and my bible
0: Well this is a good segue into your original question What are the things that protect right. you from your and Quick side right. note
1: If I came back and knew everything I thought of an idea So I would live my life I'd get some street cred early on Right So I got street cred I'd have to be out in LA Become early young friends with Dr. Dre Right Right Dr. Dre comes out.
0: How are you going to get this street cred?
1: I'm, Mike, don't uh, ask these questions. I'm going to have to hustle. I recognize that. Um, and uh, once I do, I'm going to work with him, collab, on his uh, biggest album he did, which was the, the Chronic.
0: I don't think if you say collab, but, you're going to get very yeah, far. Yeah, I was
2: thinking the same thing. I
1: think but
0: he's out
2: already.
1: The Chronic is not going to be about um, women and drugs. It's going to be the Chronic, C-R-A-N-A-C-H. And it's going to be a window into the life and work of Lucas Chronic, <laughs> the younger and older, which will probably I mean, bring many souls is, into Lutheranism.
2: This is the setup? Wow. I mean,
1: imagine, like, it, you know, one of the songs being about, like, how he was the mayor and the pharmacist mm-hmm. and a painter and a printer. I think that could be a big bar- hit Barbara. if it had the right but then, beat. Like,
0: bar- what, what rhymes with Barbara, Barbara. Yeah, I don't know, bit, and then
1: Snoop you know. comes in, he's kind of like, you know, Wittenberg. He does some of the Izzy stuff, mm-hmm. you know, it, uh,
0: so you're going to go West coast. You're not going to go East coast.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I always feel like Snoop is kind of an ambassador between both. My, my daughter
0: with, wore her Tupac shirt today. Mm-hmm. My 12 year old,
1: but this is always troubling to me that Tupac somehow gets completely to be West coast when he actually was from New York. I mean, he came up the same I, as I Biggie. for
0: that debate, but I do know that, uh, my daughter, who is Caucasian, has a friend who is not Caucasian, and they were once at a rolling party, and the Caucasian, my daughter, party? a roller, roller skating. party. rolling. That's Sorry, roller skating party. No. My Caucasian daughter had proudly wore her Tupac shirt. I don't think she's ever listened to Tupac. And her non-Caucasian friend had an ACDC t-shirt on. <laughs> and I thought, we have hope right, yeah. for the future.
1: Two great sets of pump-up. I mm-hmm. mean, both artists are phenomenal. For Have it. you
0: ever roller skated to ACDC or Tupac? Have you ever roller skated? I'm sure skated? I roller I skated ACDC. Both, we I used to think. go to
1: roller parties all the time growing up, yeah. That's where, like, if you were white middle class, like if you were Pergula um, caliber, your parents always had the party at the roller rink.
2: Anyway. If they weren't busy cleaning the pool.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Um, we had
1: ours at McDonald's, and it was just uh, whatever McNuggets we could find in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right.
1: That brings us back, though. What, what,
0: what, what, what keeps you from, from these things? Your yeah. original question.
1: What protects you from the text or the text from you? Um, maybe we can go around with just things that come to mind. But one of the things um, that would come to mind for me would be... Uh, I, I, you could speak of it more in a broad sense of the liberal arts, but the idea of um, <clears throat> you need a concept of, of history and grammar. Um, now, that's not to say that the illiterate person at Jesus' time couldn't understand what he was saying. In many ways, they had an oral history that was probably more impressive than our knowledge of written history. I mean, think about the stuff we come through school and we've forgotten. <clears throat> um and they also, in hearing, sometimes you almost are better able to cue in on grammar than you are from, from writing. I often prefer a call to a text message if it's getting at something that needs to be conveyed with, with any nuance. So I would say um, some knowledge of history and grammar, which I would argue is part of the reason that the um, Lutherans and Protestants in general, but especially Lutherans, worked so hard to establish schools early on to at least give some basic knowledge of these these things, and then I'll, I'll let and then everybody
0: go. could have access to that education.
2: Right. right? Yeah. It's not just that this for the clergy close. that this was. Yeah.
1: Precisely so that it was connected to, so that they hopefully would be engaging with the scriptures.
2: Yeah, yeah that gets muddled a little bit in American <clears throat> history, or at least our reception of American history, because we think about it as we need a, a literate society so that we can be, uh, you know, a full throated, vibrant democracy. Right. But really, that's. That's kind of missing the the actual impetus in a lot of in a lot of cases, and then we get muddled by saying, well, we need people to be able to read so they can read their Bible. But when you look, at least in the Lutheran tradition, that is certainly important, right? But that's not that's certainly not the beginning and the end, right? It's, I mean, it's there's like the
1: Wells Bible study where <clears throat> someone brings up the Bereans and pictures them all with their Concordia self-study Bibles, <laughs> diligently searching <laughs> the scriptures. <laughs>
2: Strong's Concordance. I was item. at a I was at a, a Bible study once uh, fairly recently, actually. And the, some parishioner raised her hand and said, "Like in my um in my Concordia Self Study Bible, the, the note says this." And it was basically the opposite of what the pastor had just said. And he just kind of put his hand on his head and he said, "The author of that is an idiot." And that was that's kind of the end of it. But like he went on to explain like why this is like what he was missing. But again, it was like I mean, this is it. We don't there's not a single I'm answer, sure. right? I mean, like the 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 text has, has more to offer and what the context is that you're bringing and also what the con- the broader context of the text is. But going back to something you said earlier, Mike, you had talked about the um, the Sermon on the Mount and cherry picking something out of there. And you can grab one little thing and say, see, this is saying what I wanted to say. You can also say what it's saying in, in a certain sense, but miss the whole context of what the Sermon on the Mount is, right? There's just so many right. different angles that you have to look at this from. And, you know... Um, the, the same
1: is true of the Ten Commandments.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That, actually, that's probably even a better one because we, because when we want to look at it as Lutherans from a law and gospel perspective, right? I mean, it's really easy to see where law comes in, but then how do we make this gospel? Um, but that's really important. If you can't make it, if you can't see the gospel in this, we've got a problem. So,
0: I'd say uh, uh, a good text study protects you from that because you're you're forced to see. You're forced to see the context of the original author, right? Um, so you, you don't know why it's such a big deal that the father in the parable of the prodigal son runs unless you know the culture of that day, that a man in that kind of garb would not run. Um, you know, and the way I explain it to our students is, and it's Getting lost a little bit, but my grandparents, certainly my grand, great grandparents, men in that society, you would never see them in cargo shorts, <laughs> right? I don't mm-hmm. care how hot it is, they got slacks on, right? Um, that that Probably even a sports <laughs> coat, right? That's that sort of sort of thing, and and it adds something to that that you didn't know unless you actually dug in, and you didn't you didn't find that by just looking at the text there were other people that did research um, and there's to your point way, some knowledge of history especially cultural history.
3: I think there may be some, a danger in what I'm going to say here but I'll say it anyways I think I'm thinking pastorally here um, being with your people and knowing your people in the situation like um, when you open up the text that you're going to preach on or there's a, you're teaching on for that week um, a pastor who's with his people is not just studying that in the abstract, but recognizes, you know, these are the real people that are going to, to hear this. You you need to know that the people who are in church on Sunday have just dealt with this, that or the other thing. No, what what I mean, the danger of that is that you, OK, these are the people I know and this is what they're facing. So, you know, I need to I need to say what I want to say and and make up something out of this text to say it versus. And I, yeah,
1: I, I think in, in maybe you or Mike can expand on this, but. What, what I'm what's coming to mind as you guys discuss is community right that that the the one reading the text the believer or just the one reading the text in general because I think this holds up for fiction for instance too um, is that they are embedded or part of a community the pastor doing visits is embedded in the community in a way to encounter that text in a different way than the pastor who's just in his office as you were saying Mike with a text study to see what others have said. Um, That that Christian community can be across time and place, too. It doesn't have to mean just the people who are sitting with you there on Sunday. I've heard, I think, all of us at this table at one point or another um, lament that the dead don't get to vote in voters' meetings, right? That if we really want voters' meetings to be a democracy, well, the dead should get a vote. Uh, I think while we might sometimes think of me and my Bible as kind of democratizing theology, and as Americans we like that, it's really not because we're turning off or tuning out the voice of the you know, something that's in our creeds, the community of saints. Um, and that's why how do children lose the, learn the scriptures? I don't just uh, you know have my baby and then you know give them a uh, copy of the pentateuch and say, "Get at it." Um, I teach it to them as a parent. Um, and I teach it to them not only um, reading it or speaking the words, Um, but through experience as well Um, a story that always comes to mind to me since I've heard it and it's one that I know Rod Rosenblatt has told more than once and you guys have probably heard it if you listen much to, to Rod about when he was younger and he did some stupid things and crashed his car and then his dad you know bought him a new car and how people sometimes get scandalized by that story you know how are they going to learn? I can honestly say that story has maybe come to my mind more than any other in parenting. Where I've had times where I could just, you know, well, I'm going to teach teach them a lesson. Not in a good parental way, but almost in an anger. I, maybe I'm the only parent that gets indignant in a less than righteous way. Um, and that story comes to mind and then I go, you know... There's a lot of stories of the Bible that are basically like that story, and maybe this is a grace moment as much as a, a law moment, right? But, but that story came from someone else, and it came from someone else's lived experience, which still then can, can benefit me. So it's not simply me going in a, in a vacuum um, with only what I have known or learned um, or experienced and really caught up in my present You know um enslaved to my present situation um
0: and i bet you look at text (laughs) differently too because then you see it's you get out of this sometimes very self-righteous american we work 50 60 70 hours a week and the highest and perhaps sometimes for some people the only ethic is a good work ethic and um and and taking the scriptures and and fitting the scriptures into that morality and it's more than just picking off a couple passages here and here and there right where worker deserves his wages and stuff like that but just kind of a whole attitude that jesus was the guy who helped those who helped themselves to quote
3: i I wonder if uh something that guards against is not just thinking about how does this text play historically but you know in the in the present day and age Um, what if I were the pastor at this parish in this place, um, or halfway around the world, you know, how, how would this, you know, from what limited knowledge I have of those situations, how would this sound to those ears? you know? And then, um, you guys had on as a guest, uh, months ago, uh, Dr. Cherney, um, from the seminary. And I think, he had written an article, kind of along these lines. I, that I was thought, the first
1: episode. We had a second episode we did with him too. Which when is that one coming out, Mike? Uh, TBD. <laughs> no, that's the one, Mike, accidentally erased. I'm just joking. Oh. I forgive you. I'm gonna buy you a new car. Uh, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> I thought there was a very. Well, it's funny because kayak.
0: you've forgiven me multiple times already. I which one counts? I just I don't I believe it. Just you're, every you're, time you brings really it up, really forgive it. Yeah.
1: yeah, I've forgiven the. uh the eternal consequences.
0: What about the guilt? No, the well, temporal ones remain. Is
1: through a variety of indulgences and acts of charity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. A variety. <laughs> no, but we had a similar second
1: one. I'm sorry, John, but go ahead with it.
3: No, yeah. that's fine. Um, so, just I think he that was very helpful for me reading his article in the quarterly and then listening to that episode about. You know, just talking about some of the things that we take for granted in upper Midwest America living versus uh, what some of our missionaries, uh, you know, in a third world country, same text, you know, completely different response. the, The exodus
0: means a whole lot to something completely different to somebody who is actually literally politically oppressed or literally in slavery to... Um, a soccer mom in Maguanago. Right. Well, right. And
1: that's a great point too because if you think about it in our own history anything becomes problematic if you make it the only way to read something. But like probably in America some of the best music some of the best um, you know really experience of the scriptural themes from the Exodus that have been had in America came out of slavery. Right? Now if that turns into liberation theology, where the you know the purpose of the scriptures is primary liberation, then that's problematic.
0: It's the same thing, just on the different different.
1: But as you said, for an oppressed person to go to that text, they're going to that with something that I can't even fathom bringing to it. And when they attach that well to deliverance in Christ, that is a beautiful thing that goes beyond anything I would have been able to do with that text, uh, precisely because that text took hold of of them. Right? I I might not be. Um, th- there can be problems, right? Li- liber- uh, liberation theology can be problematic, but in ways, liberation theology sometimes is a, a pretty honest reading of some texts of scripture, um, identifying with key themes that.
2: Um, there is a, a, a strong theme of liberation in scripture. I would say. I do think it'd be funny if in heaven, <laughs> yeah,
1: like in heaven for anyone who ever got too worked up about persecution in the West like our experience should have to like have a like five minute conversation with Daniel where they like just (laughs) detail all the persecution they faced and then like Daniel just gets. Hopefully, he would enjoy it. I don't want this to
0: be or Lawrence or you know, yeah,
1: and that you know, that kind of named
0: people in the you know, four hundred years in slavery. And I would totally
1: love it. And I don't think this would be punishment. So it could be a heaven thing because it'd be fun. We'd all enjoy it, like watching the noobs go through, and like like Daniel's being like way over sympathetic with all this stuff. Like, oh man, really? Like they, they um, they passed a law you didn't like, and um, you uh, you know, whatever. And then at Sounds the end, impressive. he's just like, you know, somehow does something. Like, you're good at this. You do this with me all the time. Like You set up like you're interested, and then you just deflate me at the end. The, uh, I think that would be, you know, great. But, but you look at what so, they can... So did the lions eat you? Or? Uh, but to, to get the flip side of that, one of the saddest things to me is how often as we uh, have we as church not handling the word of truth carefully or reading into text? How often haven't we actually been someone who's helped those people identify with those woeful texts, right? Um, In ways that should never happen precisely because um, the scriptures were taken captive rather than being taken captive of the scriptures. You don't have to read long in church history to know that we have more than once as Christians um, made people exodus make a lot more I mean, think of Luther's own experience. But, I, you know, I, I, um, even in our own day, you know, um, and I'm, I'm sure I've done it in my ministry. Um, you know, uh, a text can, you know, James says the tongue is a dangerous thing, right? It goes where a text can be a very dangerous thing, too. And none of us would say that the, the radical Christian person who does some terroristic thing None of us would surrender the text to him or her and say, "Oh yeah, they, what they did was biblical right um, but they were using the text and um so
2: this it, goes so yeah. so this goes back to you started off Wade by throwing out the the term hermeneutics, right and so we still need to have guiding principles, right and this is where to that would me, have been a somewhat, great first name for Gabe, by the way. Hermeneutic. Hermeneutics,
1: her- Ham Hermanson.
2: <laughs> um, we we still need to have that that guiding principle, and for someone that never went through seminary, you know, and so you know, you guys just correct me here where I'm wrong, but the we did the danger uh, with we did her- read
1: Kusky's book. Okay.
2: <laughs> so, the danger with hermeneutics is that it becomes dogmatic, and I don't mean that in the sense of you know seminary dogmatics, which would probably would have been my area if if I'd gone, but rather in the, you know, of, so <laughs> in the sense of so freaking like fancy in the sense of dogmatics in philosophy dogmatics in the sense of philosophy where you say, like that's that's just closed mindedness right and so the if the hermeneutical hermeneutical principle becomes something that you are that that becomes very limiting to you as an individual you are it's it's going to become you're going to become enslaved to it in a way that is dangerous now i got to i got to be careful here because I would say you need to preach long gospel when you when you when, when a pastor gets to, a, to gets up to the pulpit if they if they fail to do one of those two things they are failing to do their job. I mean they need to preach that and they need to preach the word, but they need to preach to the people there. And these are these are tall orders, but they're also very pretty simple principles. But they have to do that within the context of themselves, what they bring to it, what their congregation brings to it, and then I mean, we just went through you know, 2020, everyone's online and stuff. It's like, you have a whole nother audience you're considering. And it's an audience, not just oops, an audience, not just of, um, the it's different like that paper towel commercial. This is <laughs> different places that are that, that we've got going on, but also the, um, different times. Right. It, How long will this exist? How long will it be out there?
1: Right. And I don't know what, what time we're at, but I, I'm fine with going long on this cause we can turn it into two if we need to also, um, But two things with that, Peter. First, maybe briefly in a second, if you could give us a little bit on something you can explain that I can't, but Heidegger and Dasein and maybe what he's getting at there with human life and how that might apply. Or you can boot on that. And then secondly, could we throw out just a few things that what we basically mean by hermeneutics um, when we're talking about it with the scriptures?
0: We're, We're over an hour here, so
2: let's make it. Skip the. <laughs> Skip group. the. Dasein. No,
1: d- just tell me what Dasein is. Because <laughs> well, I, mean, I think it's helpful.
2: Yeah, and it's, and it's hard. I mean, I th- it's hard for me, especially right now. I don't know. How does a, it get translated in English? Um, being there, or oftentimes it's untranslated. Or which is, yeah. you've
1: used a great word with me of throw
2: Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Okay. So if that's, you could, that's what I was getting at, if yeah. you could just briefly
1: explain that. Yeah. In this so
2: this idea that we are, we are always already in some circumstance in some situation that we're thrown into it. And so this, this throat throwedness that we find ourselves in a situation, in a context. And we find that from the very beginning, we can think of it as a birth situation. Like we are born into something. Right. And that's easy for us to think about. But even more than that, Heidegger would say, no, no, no. in this situation, I walked in, I, there's four of us here tonight. I was the last one to walk in. Right. I Came into a situation in a very literal sense. There was a conversation going on, and And it stopped at an (laughs) instruction. I probably shouldn't have taken my shirt off before I came around (laughs) the corner, but you know, um, no. But it's that that you're always finding yourself already. Something's already happening. There's already going right, and this goes back to the Platonic idea of of becoming, right? That things are always happening already, and this is where I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get into like the whole. Kind of my defense of, of postmodernism in the sense that Wade, you and I have talked a lot about like they, these the, the good postmodern authors ask the right questions, right? Mm. Even if we, even if we may not agree with their answers all the time, they, they ask the right que- or they ask good questions. I should say um, that we should wrestle with, and that's one of them. I mean, we find ourselves in a situation; it's not static, and um, maybe to so kind of tie this back in then with Scripture, we look at it, and the danger is that we look at it as something that's static. Oh, I know the lesson out of this one. But that lesson, I mean, first of all, maybe that was a lesson there. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the only lesson, but how are you going to know that? A little humility right. goes a long way, and um, chances are there's a whole lot more lessons there that, that are going, and maybe that isn't even one of the lessons. Maybe it's been misunderstood. So, But if you don't understand yourself as in a situation that has all this context wrapped around it, how are you gonna? How are you gonna ever know that?
1: And then the, the second part, maybe. And then, Mike, I can see you'd like to wrap up. So I, I will uh, submit. Thank you
2: for cleaning up my, uh, my no spilled problem. drink here, Wade. Um,
1: what uh? I got couple a little of hermen- excited.
2: I spilled my drink. Yeah,
1: a couple basic things of hermeneutics. If we were, um, if we were talking to students, Mike or or Peter, when you were teaching at the college, or John, if you were talking to um, members of the congregation who ask about reading the scriptures, what are some general hermeneutical things um, that are useful to keep in mind as you approach? Um,
0: it's the inter- study of the interpretation of a text, right? Um, I would say always know where you're, what genre you're in. Are you in history? Are you in poetry? Um, are you in apocalyptic literature? Uh, there's a lot of Christians who take certain things um, literally, and then certain things figuratively, and because they have not understood what genre they're in.
3: Yeah, I think about. Um Old, uh, I think it was uh, Norman Nagel, a uh, sainted professor, right, uh, from Concordia, St. Louis, who you know, asked a simple question. Often, this leads in my teaching you know, where, where is the Christ in this text and what gets in the way of the Christ being delivered? And um, it's a
0: general idea. Yeah, and that, that's, that's definitely for, for a pastor, like, you can get lost in all that stuff. And I would always rather err on the side of finding Christ in the text. And if I was wrong, well, Curier a liaison, I don't want to be wrong on the other side, which always ends up in some cheap morality
2: and is the easier pitfall to to fall in the pit to fall into right yeah. I mean yeah,
3: yeah, and something on that with the cheap morality, um do you have to be a, a distinctly Christian to preach this message you know right, right. Um, you know, that's great um you know, David and Goliath and so let's go out there and beat Nouvelle. <laughs> you know, right? The, sorry for the second I'm a well, reference. Right. I mean, you know what I'm saying? The whole, Not in our day. Yeah. The <laughs> now little, they do. B- yeah, they the do. little guys will beat the big guys, right? If only we believe hard enough. Yeah. But, you know, well, actually maybe that atheist just hit a half-court shot too. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs>
1: right? Like, look, like
3: you're,
0: you're uh, God-given talent. Yeah, God-given talent. St. <laughs> Luke's Lutheran uh, B-squad basketball still needs to work on their free throws.
3: Yeah. If I ever... Uh, uh, if, hard to believe I was working out at the YMC in Beatrice, Nebraska in the afternoon and the Father Major from the Catholic It's hard cre- to
2: believe you were working yeah, out there. Yeah, I the know, head. that's
3: right. And Father Major from the Catholic uh, parish was there and we had become friends and one of his parishioners came in there and was complaining about uh, was complaining about something and he said, if I told you once, I told you a hundred times, I don't do weather and I don't do sports. <laughs> Classic one.
1: So. Uh, yeah, no, I think one that would come to mind for me is um, that just as with vocation, um, you're not reading the text just for you, but for your neighbor. Oh, that's you know, good. To, um, uh,
0: and with your neighbors.
1: But right, to, to yeah, to, to keep in mind that um, not everything the text is saying always has to have some grand, like we all want to have this this special <coughs> precious message. <coughs> just for well, I had a. Someone I encountered once in a setting um, (laughs) who was not happy that um, a church had gotten rid of plastic individual cups um, and gotten glass in addition to the chalice, right? So that if you are taking individual cup, you know, at least it's, I guess it's glass. And I'm not going to say I'm... For or against it, but maybe I have introduced that idea before at some point. And um, this person had a a very legitimate concern from where they were coming from. And I remember the person talking to me (coughs) and talking about it just wouldn't be as special, communion. And I said to this person who was in an anonymous setting, an anonymous place, um, why would it be less special? Well, because someone's going to use that cup again. Right? That, as if the moment with Jesus, that plastic cup, right, was that individual moment. And I said, well, if the moment's that special to you, what do you do after you use your individual cup? Well, we throw it in the garbage. Right? Um, sometimes we can go to a text in Scripture as if it's that plastic individual cup. And just, we're going to have it, and it's going to be our moment. Right? And then we all move on. Um, We could each go around the table, and let's not do it because we'll offend people, and pick a Bible passage that we see people do this all the time that secretly drives us nuts, right? So that I'm reading it for my neighbor also means, right, and with, I think, that's an improvement, as Mike said, is that that hopefully takes me out of myself that I can at least ask, What do I think my neighbor would take away from this? How does this apply to my life with neighbor? What if my neighbor applied it as I'm about to apply it? I was watching the Bucks last night, and Nick was just being a total troll. Most of the other kids were out watching with friends, and so Nick was homing. And and I love Nick. Um, But Nick is me, and it's definitely punishment um, you know, in certain circumstances. So he's trolling, talking smack, whatever. And so he's, he seemed bothered that I was really excited about the Bucks winning, right? And I'm like, well, this is it's good for our city. So we're well, not from the city, and I'm like, I pay six grand a year in property taxes to the city, <laughs> right? This is, I've invested in the city. I can be, I can be happy for it. But on the flip side, I've totally given Mike a fan uh, a hard time about being in sports fan of, right, Michigan um, when he just lived in Michigan for a few years or whatever else. And Mike has family going back to Michigan generations, right? Or I've, you know, talked about, um, you know, people who will be big on Detroit stuff but, you know, live way west or whatever, and any time they can vote, vote to, like, crucify Detroit at the expense of the rest of the other state. Um, well, I wouldn't like how I was gonna apply that text to my neighbor to be applied to me. And I think that would help with a lot of situations that come up with hermeneutics,
2: but all right, I'll throw to Peter. Yeah, no, I think that the, <clears throat> I think what you were saying about the, the whole, it's not, it's not this, the text is not, it, it is personal Right. Like you were talking about the individual cup, the plastic, individual cup. it is personal, but it is so much more than that. And so understanding that and having that humility and retaining, you know, and, and living in that part of this goes to we have to we have to be, you know, well-rounded and broad, you know, have a broader perspective, which I mean, this was my soapbox about the importance of the liberal arts. But if you if you come to it with all of that, you should expect that there's going to be more more that uh, that the uh, text has to offer. Once again, it's, uh, this is the word of God. Uh, there's a lot to be, a lot to be given, a lot to be, a lot to be offered there.
1: Mike clearly wants us to be done because he's worried about time. So I'm going to go ahead and say, Mike, why don't you close us out? And uh, in the midst of all this, when it comes <laughs> to questions of hermeneutics and how we read the scriptures, what really does it come down to? What can we do? Finally,
0: the scriptures is what sets you free to live in a world given back to you. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. Goes down, get to my party and I begin to cry, I don't care what the people are thinking, I'm not drunk, I'm just a tanker. I set him up another round, I set him up another round, I set him up another round, one more round, won't get me down.